Let's go ahead as you uh, turn to Mark chapter 6. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer, Lord. We just um, thank you for the blessing of being able to gather tonight, Lord. And uh, as we uh, think about Pastor Pat and, uh, and the cold, and um, just, uh, Lord, continue to heal him up, Lord. And um, we also want to lift up those in uh, Kino Bay, Lord. What a blessing it is to be even uh, go across the border and help others. And, um, and truly, um, having been on those missions before, Lord, it's a blessing um, that we are able to receive. Lord, help them be a light down there and just keep travels safe, Lord. And as we prepare to open up and, and take a look at kind of uh, a little touchy subject in um, coming home and what that feels like, Lord, and all of us at some point have left and come back, um, especially in this room, as a different person. And sometimes it's not accepted or recognized by family. Why? So, Lord, we just are very thankful that you are in our lives because you bring that peace, Lord. And uh, we just look forward to your message tonight and what you're going to, to talk to each one of us about. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a um, couple things. Uh, when we look at Mark, so uh, we have to put Mark in a little bit of a different gospel kind of area. Uh, some, some commentaries will tell you that Mark is really good for kids, right? It's written at that level. It's real easy to understand. Um, and that's how I approached Mark initially a, a couple months ago when I was praying um, about teaching the junior hires. You know, let's, let's go through Mark. We had done Matthew. Um, we had looked at Luke. And, and I thought Mark... And maybe that was me being a little lazy. I'm like, oh, Mark's going to be so much easier. Oh, no. Right? So there's a lot more in-depth with Mark as, uh, as I continue to study and just growing um, in my walk with Jesus and seeing it. Um, and, it, and if you're not familiar with Mark, it's almost kind of like my life. I get very boom, boom, boom. Everything happens very quickly. And if it's not happening quickly, I'm going to make it happen quickly. Right? So as you read through Mark, things are going to happen and it's going to happen fast. Um, and it's funny because uh, one of the things that I have the junior hires doing right now is counting how many times Mark uses immediately. So if you're not familiar, 40 times in the book of Mark immediately is used. I think we're up to 16 or 17, something like that. But um, So six begins um, Jesus had just raised Jairus' daughter from death, right? So that happened. Um, and before that, that's where he's standing um, in and talking, and the woman that has been bleeding for 12 years comes up, touches him, um, and then is immediately healed, and that peace and all that uh, comes upon her. Um, meanwhile, Jairus is still waiting for Jesus to go heal his daughter. Jairus then at after this incident, gets word that his daughter has passed. And Jesus does what Jesus says. All right, settle down. It's okay. We've got this, right? So he walks back, heals um, the daughter, wakes her up, brings her from uh, the dead, and then immediately, okay, he doesn't say it immediately, but I'm going to say immediately, right? So in verse 1, then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. So this is, 
I'm going to be a little transparent here. This has always been a dream of mine to show up back home with an entourage, right? <laughs> People following me, like you're walking in, like, yo, bro, what's up? And then everyone's, like, on their phones and taking care of business, and, you know, I'm doing the whole, like, I'm cool guy. But... Uh, not that Jesus showed up, but we do know there was 12 people that were with him and probably a lot more. And um, as they are coming in, it's, it's that friends and the family have no doubt have heard what Jesus has been doing, right? That word has been spreading. We see that. There's lots of evidence um, all the way up to chapter 6. So there's no doubt in my mind that the friends and family that are there know who Jesus is, and are hearing the rumors, and now it's going to be confronting them. So in verse 2, and he says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, can only, you know, and, I, I've, and I've talked to other pastors, and um, I've listened to David Guzik, and uh, my wife and I were just discussing David Guzik, and uh, when you listen to his teaching on this, he talks specifically about this verse, because David Guzik is not a PhD and, and got all these theologically de theological degrees, and yet when you listen to David, you know Jesus is speaking right through him. He has the gift, right? There's no doubt, um, and I believe if you are going to the uh, leadership conference, he will be there, but anyway, so you can talk to him about this and, and have that discussion. So, it, you know, and he reads this, and he kind of gets it. Like, people look at David and say, like, oh, really? You're a, a great pastor, you're a teacher, and you don't have a degree? Um, you're not educated? How can you speak with such authority? And when we think about friends and family, and as they're looking at Jesus, right, and they're looking at this, this individual that they knew growing up, right, and we're going to see what they kind of refer to him as, but you can only imagine, and some of us can imagine, when we go home as a Christian, what our families, and, you know, we begin to, speak truth about Jesus Christ, we begin to use scripture, we begin to experience our lives as we are uh, just spending time with family and, and reflecting that light, and then people are like, that Dwight, he's so fake. He's got to be fake, because really, a Christian now? I remember when that little kid was shooting a, um, a water pistol at, you know, grandma, right? So, <laughs> Um, we have this image of, and I can only imagine Jesus looking at his family, and what are they looking at him? How are they looking at him? Is it disappointment? We kind of see that. We see, like, how is, and it says it right here, right? They were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? The authority that he is preaching and teaching, and this is the, you know, if I'm going to go follow a preacher, this is the one, right? Talk about the perfect teaching. 
talk about the perfect preaching from a perfect human being, and yet he's speaking with that authority, and they're like questioning, like, oh, come on, Jesus, really? Nah, I don't think so. Um, well, in verse 3, is this not the carpenter? Is this not, you know, and today we could even say carpenter, plumber, um, welder, really? Is this an individual that works with their hands? He wasn't educated. He didn't go to uh, the synagogue and, and learn about all the different rabbi tools and, you know, and, and I don't know what happens in a synagogue, so we'll just leave it at that, right? But so he goes in there and they're beginning to question his authority because they don't recognize who Jesus really is. And when we go home, and when I go home, I hope they recognize not who I am, but who Jesus is, right? Through my actions and through my words, and it's, uh, you know, when I shine the light, I want to shine the light of Jesus because Jesus is working through me. I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, and that's that humility. Um, and I know Pastor Pat and um, some other teachings have happened, and we're, and we're talking about the hypocrites, right? I don't want to be labeled as a hypocrite, but in a way I am because I know I am not perfect. I am telling my family the truth, and this is where that authority comes in. They're listening to Jesus tell the truth. What are they not accepting? Jesus? or the truth, or in this case, both. So, the carpenter, then the son of Mary. And we got to put that in context, because the son of Mary, um, at this, and we got to go back 2,000 years, the son of Mary is kind of like a, a slam. It's, it's basically saying, like, really of no importance, this Jesus guy, um, who is the son of Mary. I'm not even going to say the son of Joseph, because that's the way it was originally um, expressed. I would be the son of Richard, right? And it would be the son of the father, not the mother. Um, there are some commentaries, and I don't know how true that is, and um, maybe there are some rumors going around that, you know, his illegitimacy didn't really have a father, Joseph and Mary. And you can only imagine with these small communities, um, unlike Sierra Vista, how... Uh, <laughs> things can really spread and like get a little out of control and people make assumptions and um but right so this is this is happening so the son of mary and brother of james joseph judas and simon and are not his sisters here with us so they were offended at him and when i think about and i'm going to give a little so we've been discussing this bone box of james so if you're not familiar with the bone box of James, um, it was found in 2001, and there's a little bit of controversy about it, and, and I believe it is authentic uh, due to some of the individuals that um, have verified his authenticity. Uh, but this box has an inscription on it. The bone box is verified of that time. The inscription is at question. So the Israeli authenticity authority feels that it is not a uh, legitimate inscription because it says James, 
the son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Why would Israel say that that's not real? But yet other individuals have verified that that inscription has come from that time. So you can look up, I mean, there's a whole case, there's a whole bunch of issues with it, um, but we recognize, right, and this is another piece of evidence that shows us that Jesus is real. This, Jesus lived. So if you have any question about that, you don't even have to go into to the Bible. We can go look elsewhere and see that Jesus lived. So when we think about this, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and then he mentions the sisters, right? Why were they really offended at him? Why were they disappointed in him teaching the truth? Or was it because they could not get past who Jesus physically was? And we can even break that down, right? Because Jesus is getting ready to tell them, like, hey, God, human, 100%, both, and yet maybe they saw little Jesus as a eight-year-old. Maybe they saw Jesus as the carpenter, and um, in Matthew, he actually even says the carpenter's son, all right? So there's a lot of questions on how family and friends look at Jesus, and yet I think we can all relate because I'm sure we have family members that remember us BC, before Christ, and they look at us and say, like, <laughs> Dwight, 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 Dwight. Really? Jack, 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 Jack. Really? Really, Jack? I mean, I get it, but you're a little over the top, right? And so we have uh, these family members, and they're going to need to make a decision. And that decision that's going to be made, and he's going to discuss it a little later, that decision that's going to be made we want them to make the right decision, and as much as we try, and as, and as hard as, you know, like, oh, I'm going to try and really shine the light when I get home, and it only takes one thing, and it kind of messes it all up, and drama, and all that other stuff, and yet, we just want them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of what he can bring, right? That peace. And as I look at the world today, um, peace. And I wasn't going to go over the story, but my father passed away in September. Um, we had his uh, funeral or celebration of life, I think is what we're calling it these days. Uh, memorial, whatever you want to say. Um, and it was a joyous, joyful occasion for me. As I watch my family stumble cry, break down, you know, and in a way, they just don't have the peace on where my father was or is. Because he accepted Christ about 10, 15 years ago. And I'm, I was able to witness that growth in him. And 
and it's kind of funny because uh, the one thing I will miss um, is he could always give me criticism after my teaching. And he was, so some of the stuff I do now is probably because it's still in my mind. Like, oh, I saw you had your hands in your pocket at five minutes and 16 seconds and you didn't pull it out till eight minutes and nine seconds, right? So, um, but, but here's what I know. My dad was paying attention to the message because it was the message. It wasn't about me. And he was just kind of letting me know that, hey, good job, right? Yet, What's going on with the rest of the family? It's that peace that they're missing. And, and this is the experience that Jesus, you know, and it's kind of sad because if you think about it, Jesus is there and I am sure he's like, come on, guys. Why? It's okay. Just accept. It's the truth. It's the truth. And if I was to tell anybody tonight, and um, when I look at Mark, how simple of a truth it is. Mark's a great book if you're going through um, a new believer or with a new believer um, that is a Gentile because it doesn't focus on the genealogy or the uh, bibliography or whatever we call that, B word, bi biology, I don't know. Anyway, um, obviously I'm not educated. I'm a plumber. No, I'm just kidding about all those plumbers out there. All right, so... Um, at, so where was I going with that? I don't know. I just got stuck on the plumber. Um, so as we look at Mark, Mark just starts right off with John the Baptist, Jesus ministry, boom, right into it. Because that's really what this entire book is about, right? Is Jesus ministry from a new believer, we have a tendency, well, you really need to go into Genesis and let's just break it down. And, um, but yet, if we follow the example of Mark, let's just talk about Jesus. He was baptized. He's the Messiah. Okay, now let's look at some of the healings and some of the things that are going on. And now let's take a look at what happens when he goes home. Because when he goes home, it gets even better, right? So, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Phew. I, I just got to say, if that happens to Jesus, of course it's going to happen to me. I'm not a prophet. But um, what he's saying here is sometimes it is not your responsibility to give the message of Jesus to your family. It has to be or should be somebody else because they're not going to accept that truth. Um, I shouldn't say not, but they don't see you as a Christian. They see you as who you used to be until they see the truth. That truth may come from you, but it may come from somebody else. But he says, and Jesus is, makes it clear, is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. This is Jesus. 
He couldn't do mighty work. Why? Because they were stuck. They were focused on the wrong message. They were focused on the wrong individual. They were not seeing the truth. And when I, or even all of us, right, so when we present the truth, we want them to see Jesus. We want them to see Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. This, why are we here tonight? You didn't come here because you knew Pastor Pat was sick and Dwight's going to be here. That's for sure. Right? So you came here because you want to hear from Jesus. And you want to continue your relationship with Jesus. This is the guy that as he's saying that, he was able to only heal a few. Now, if we back up and go through chapters one, two, three, four, and five, you will find out that he's healing people left and right. I mean, it, it is amazing what is happening. Word is spreading. He's, uh, uh, when we think about the incident where he crosses over the lake and then the pigs, right? So this was always a fun story for the junior hires as we talk about rolling pigs down the hill and into the water. Um, doesn't help I bring bacon, but so... As these pigs are, you know, imagine the theater, the show that's happening, watching this. You've got legions of, I don't know, evil spirits, whatever you want to call them, devil, legions are going into these pigs, and it's just, you know, I would like to see that in 3D, all right? <laughs> Then we come up here, and they had to have heard that. His friends and family had to have known Jesus was the one that released that individual. Jairus' daughter, he just got done raising someone from the dead. Yet, only a few people recognized who he was. When we think about also those sicknesses and illnesses, just like the um, woman with, that had been bleeding for 12 years, she goes up to Jesus, grabs a hold of him, and heals her. I guarantee family and friends, these other individuals were sick, and they are so stuck in who they are and who they perceive Jesus to be that they're not even thinking about the ability of their, and we'll say our, Lord and Savior. Frustrating. I can't, I just can't fathom. And in verse 6, he says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. It's kind of a short sentence. We've all been there when we tell our family and friends and we tell individuals and we talk to them about Jesus Christ and not do we marvel about their unbelief, but we're just disappointed, heartbroken. Right? We want our family to accept Christ. We want our family, we want our friends to experience that peace that only Jesus can provide and then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And here's the hope. 
he is rejected by his family, you know, and I think about it in my world, if, if I get individuals rejected, who do I usually beat up? I beat up myself. Like, what did I do? Okay, I messed up. Um, I probably was too goofy. Uh, people don't take me serious enough because I like to have fun, blah, blah, blah. And I begin to question about what I did or what I didn't do. It's not about me. It's about the decision that they made. How awesome is it that Jesus, like, hey, you know what? They're not going to believe. Guess what I'm going to go do? There's going to be other believers out there. Other people want to hear the truth. And I say that so we're not discouraged when we feel that we're not reaching people or maybe we're not saying the right things or living the right way. That's not our responsibility for them to choose the truth. We need to continue to go share the gospel because it's about the Holy Spirit reaching them and helping them with their decision. And then he calls the 12. And there's currently 86 of you in here, so we're going to call you. No, I'm just I'm kidding about that, right? And he called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And the easy thing is to go and talk about two by two and say, you know, we don't want to uh, go out by ourselves, and uh, we think about individuals. Um, and, and how nice is it to be part of something and somebody else that can lift you up, can encourage you, can help you when you're struggling. And when I look at this body of believers and I think about those who unfortunately um, are kind of stuck behind the screen right now, they may not realize, but we need them here. Right? We want them here. And why do we want them here? Because our body only works as well as the body. And if we're missing parts of that body, then we're not going to be fully functional. And I know Pastor Pat's been telling and encouraging um, because we, over the last couple of years, it gets very comfortable at home on the couch, and then, you know, we begin to, you know, the devil begins to plant seeds. Well, you know what? You're getting fed. Why do you need to come to church? You're receiving the word. That's good. Why didn't Jesus send them out one by one? Why did he not? They could have covered twice the amount of space. They could have covered twice the amount of people. Jesus recognized that they needed each other, just like we need each other. We, and I think of we as in not necessarily just this body of believers, but the other body of believers um, around Sierra Vista, around Arizona, around the world, right? And I think, and, and I just want to appeal to those who, who feel that they have nothing to offer and that they are just sitting behind the screen to get fed. No matter who you are, you've got something to offer. God wants to use you. God wants you here so that way we get to experience who you are and be lifted up 
through your smile, your presence, right? That's, that's what this is all about. And um, Jesus recognized it early, and yet it's interesting how he commanded them in verse 8 to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. How faithful is that? Go. Um, I asked the junior hires, I was like, okay, right now, if I say that we had um, plane tickets and we're all heading to Africa and we're going to go share the gospel and we had nothing, um, they all were like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and then I said, what about deodorant? <laughs> right? What about Right? And it's real easy to say, like, oh, I could do that. Not a problem. If I were to ask each and every single one of you right now, let's, let's just go, um, and go down to Kino Bay or even to Africa or even to Frytown or even um, just across the street. And if you're like me, I got to have a plan. One, all right, so if we're going to go, one, how long? Number two, if it's going to be more than four hours, we've got to plan food. Who's going to make it? Who's going to bring it? Who's going to buy it? Where are we going to get, you know? And, and I can only imagine and think about who Matthew and Luke are. And these guys, you know, th these guys are, they're just not your average person just to pick up and go. I think they've had their whole life planned. Jesus comes on, comes on the scene Jesus calls them, they immediately go, and now they're like, okay, I trusted him to begin with. I'm going. Have you accepted Jesus Christ, and have you trusted him with everything and realized that he can provide everything? I don't know that because he always has provided everything. And when I think about going out the faith of the twelve, and, and if we go further on in Scripture, you will find out that um, this was for them. This is not for everybody, right? He does want you to have a plan. He does want you to go, and uh, so don't think I'm telling you, oh, that's it, just go, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. The plan was for them twelve to go because of where they're at, and what they're doing. Um, and then he tells them, he said to them in verse 10, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. So he's telling them point blank is, hey, you're going to tell them the truth. It's their responsibility to accept it. If it's their responsibility to accept it, it's not our job to kind of force it. Right? And I think about my life as an early Christian, a legalist, that would tell my sister straight up, like, well... You're going through this because you're not accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, you're going to hell. <laughs> Whoa. My sister was like, oh, Dwight, you're so right. 
No, that's not what happened. It's like, hello, hello, man. Cindy, it's a bad connection. She hung up on me. I don't know what happened. Right? Um, and we can talk about the, the Jewish part of shaking, you know, the dust off and, and kind of what all that means. But, at, you know, when I think about this part, going into a city, and at what point do you stop? You stop when they don't want to hear the truth. You stop when Jesus tells you it's time to move on. Maybe it's just your job to plant that seed. Somebody else is going to come along. Um, one of my, uh, one thing I love showing uh, the junior hires is, and if you're not familiar with them, travel the road um, individuals. So there's these, uh, started off as three, ends up as two, two young kids they are out in the middle of Siberia. Um, they're reaching, uh, <laughs> and when I say Siberia, they're in a yurt out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's a snowstorm. Things are going bad. They find this empty yurt. They go into the yurt, and this, they're like, oh, the family's not here. We're not sure if they're coming back, um, but we need to stay warm. It's dangerous out there right now. Well, then about midnight, the father and the son come home, and the son is six, seven years old, and the son and father had just had a conversation an hour before that. And the conversation was about the herd that they are watching over. And the father said, well, let's pray to the whatever God um, and to provide protection over the herd. And the boy said, no, we need to pray to Jesus. Because they had heard the message like a year and a year and a half before that, and they had given the kid this little comic book about Jesus. So he had been reading it, and he'd been learning it. Well, then the father looked at him and said, we'll pray to Jesus if we get back and Jesus is there. They show back up to the yurt, and guess who's there? This, and they're like, whoa, who are you guys? Well, we're here to share about Jesus. How, and, it, and it still gives me the chills thinking about it because they are literally out in the middle of Siberia in the mountains um, talking to the Mongolians and who knew, right? God's perfect timing. Somebody planted the seed. Dad didn't accept it at that time. I'm sure uh, whoever it was, and I think um, they said it was the Campus Crusade um, that had initially planted the seed and then they had moved on and then these guys come along middle of nowhere and there's Jesus that's what it's all about right and so sometimes we think that okay we're done and time to move on you may have planted that seed now assuredly I say to you and some of your translations may not say this it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, if you have, uh, and I'm trying to think of the different versions, but some of the versions 
uh, omit that. Um, the King James, New King James, keeps it in. Uh, after studying this, the, we can talk about Codex A, Codex B, 5th century, 4th century, Latin to Greek. Um, all these things happen. Um, Matthew 10, uh, 14 through 15 is where that probably came from and then was just added a little later just to harmonize with the same story in Matthew. Um, you can study all that, but I believe, and I really like this because this tells the truth, right? It is a life or death decision for them. They don't realize it. And, and when I think about uh, the church that's growing in Iran right now, I think about the church that's growing in China, and we say, oh, they're making life and death decisions because literally, if they make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, they will die and experience life eternally with Jesus. So we have a tendency to say, oh, well, that's a life and death decision, and, and how awesome is that? Well, I'm here to tell you, it's a life or death decision here too. Because if we don't accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior if you're not familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah, I'd say look it up on the map. <laughs> it is not there. Right? It's a life or death decision. And some of us um, are in here and we have experienced um, that peace. And maybe there's one or two of you or maybe out there in TV land. Um, maybe you haven't realize or you don't realize that it's a life or death decision because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And, and I think if we look at the last couple of years, we're definitely not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, yet, we can be guaranteed tomorrow. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and I would encourage you, if you are a non-believer, Somebody brought you here tonight. You're here for a reason. You're here to, uh, you know, be part of this body. Why are, why are you here? Because Jesus brought you here. Someone may have planted the seed, but it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You didn't just show up because Calvary Chapel's cool. Maybe you did. It's pretty cool. I know the pastor. He's kind of a cool guy. Associate pastor. Yeah, he's cool too. <laughs> but you're here because Jesus wants you here. Out there, we want you here and Jesus wants you here. We don't operate as a full body unless we're all together. So I want to encourage those who are out there, make that commitment to come in. We've got a lot of different ministries that need help. We've got a lot of different ministries that offer help. We have a lot of different ministries um, that can, you know, assist you through whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, and maybe you can help us in those ministries. This body is fun to hang out with. <laughs> so, especially on a Thursday night. I don't know. Something about Thursday night. That's why I wear my tennis shoes. I just like, it's like, get excited. So then in 
as we finish off and we'll talk about what they end up doing, right? So Mark 6, 12, so they went out and preached that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. How did they do that? Jesus. Jesus was with them. Two by two. Or is it one by one? Does that two? Two by two. It says two by two. We'll go with two by two. So tonight, as we prepare to uh, leave, some of us may be discouraged. Um, I know I can get real discouraged early on, and we're going to have the band come up, and we just want to, to thank the body for being the body. You've accepted Jesus Christ, and I'll be honest, it's a lot easier to share with believers than it is to non-believers, especially at work. <laughs> Some of you may have those offices, but what a blessing it is to see this family and the fact that we're all believers in Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, and continues to provide us peace during times and struggles when we think there is no hope. We have that hope that tomorrow we will live. We may not live on this earth, but we know one thing, we're going to live with him in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. What a blessing to come in to church to come into Calvary Chapel, to come into this body and just experience you. Because it's not about us, it's about you. You have given us the ability to reach people through TV, through um, podcasts, through technology. And yet the greatest movement, you sent people out there with nothing except you. Lord, and that's all we need. And so, Lord, as we sit here tonight, if there's anybody that is questioning who you are, or maybe they've accepted and they need to come to you to experience that peace that most of us or all of us in here tonight are experiencing, Lord, Give them that desire just to turn it all over to you. They're here for a reason, and you're that reason. And all they need to do is just follow this prayer and say this prayer. Lord, and maybe they're not going to say it tonight. Maybe they'll say it a little later on. But we know this. It's the right prayer. It's the prayer where we accept our faults and our sins and recognize you as our Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross for our sins. You, the one who provides peace, who accepts us for no matter what we have done. Lord, we come to you tonight tonight 
and we ask for your forgiveness of those sins. We thank you for your truth. Come into our hearts. Help us follow you and you alone. Because you are the way. You are the truth. And you are the one that's going to provide everlasting life. And Lord, we thank you for that tonight. And if there's anyone in here tonight that has said that prayer, Lord, give them that desire to, to share it with somebody. Share it with whomever they came with. Share it with fellow believers. Share it with their family, Lord. Truly blessed to be able to come into this building and experience you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.